January edition of What Does the Bible Say About Podcast. And uh, we are talking today about prayer and fasting. And uh, I have invited probably one of the people uh, that I think is the most powerful, effective, faithful prayer warriors uh, I've ever met in my life. And that's my wife. She's also uh, our small groups pastor and uh, probably my favorite staff member here. No, not probably for sure. My favorite <laughs> staff member here at Grace. And uh, I'm so excited uh, that you're here with me, uh, honey, because uh, you are a prayer warrior. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. So, um, I just wanted to bring you in on this conversation. You know, our church right now is in 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're going to talk a little bit about, well, what's fasting all about? What is prayer all about? Why do we do it? And how do we do it? And have just a little conversation uh, today about that. But, um, you know, I have always uh, talked to you and seen you as a prayer warrior. And uh, in fact, I tell people that um, the one place you don't ever want to find yourself is on the opposite end or the wrong end of Gina's prayers because uh, I've been there actually like God change <laughs> this man and do something with this man and like you're marked and you will lose uh, against Gina's prayers uh, when she's praying God's will and so as um, I see you as a prayer warrior and I guess just to start off tell me a little bit about that why why is prayer so important to you why do you pray so much um, I think the main thing, the first thing that comes to mind is that prayer is my my um, relationship with Jesus. I He wants to be in relationship with us, and I don't see the point in a relationship without conversation. Yeah. And so prayer is conversation, and it's not just me going to him with a list of requests. It's me taking time with him and hearing him and taking time to, you know, talk to him about my concerns, but also taking time to just pause and align myself with his heart and, uh, and take, you know, just be, be quiet before him and hear what he wants to say to me as well. So it's, it's really about growing in my relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I, you know, I think that, um, that's so simple. Um, but it's so profound and it's so important and it's so missed by so many people that uh, just simply prayer is a conversation. I love that because, you know, we also often think, okay, well, the Bible says pray and it does all the time. In fact, uh, I looked uh, I looked it up and I was like, okay, how many prayer verses are there? And you may have heard that there's um, 365 verses about do not fear. And, and it's right around there. It's pretty accurate. You know, one for every day. I actually found 367 verses that said pray and there, there'll be more or less depending on the translation you're using but just like it says don't be afraid every day it says pray every day too which i thought was interesting and that idea of like well i'm supposed to pray and the bible says pray and i've got to pray uh, i think misses m much of the point which is have a conversation with god mm -hmm. talk with god in the middle of it but you know matthew 6 8 it, it says that um jesus says well your father knows what you need before you even say it so Talk a little bit about that. So why, why do we pray if he's already like with us and he already knows what's going on? What, what are we doing? I think that, yes, God knows everything and he's outside of time and that 
concept itself just blows my mind and it's hard to wrap my mind around. But um, I think because he is a relational God and he wants to have relationship and conversation with us, it's, it's his heart to partner with us and to, um, when there's a, a, a need or um, something that we're concerned about, he wants to be in on that. And so prayer brings God into that mix. Mm. It brings God into the conversation. It brings God into the pain, the anxiety, whatever's going on. Um, and so it's just his heart to work with us, to partner with mm. us in life. And so, um, yes, he may already know the outcome, um, but it, it's the connection that he's longing for with us and that we should be longing for with him. And also prayer um, changes me. Yeah. It doesn't change God necessarily. It changes me. And so I pray to, to find peace when I spend a, a good time in prayer and I leave and I'm still anxious, then I haven't really prayed. I need to go back until I come to that place of peace and just knowing, okay, it is in his hands and I can move on. Um, yeah, prayer, prayer for me is to, to just get it all out until I'm in a place of peace, just knowing that, that God and I've got this and oh, he's going to walk so with me through this. Yeah. I think that a uh, couple things there, um, that I don't want you to miss, uh, you know, that first of all idea, I think it's in Shadowlands, that movie about, uh, C.S. Lewis, where, um, Anthony Hopkins playing that character, you know, asking him, well, why do you pray? He says, well, I don't pray to change God. I pray to change me. And, um, I think, I don't know if C.S. Lewis actually said that he said things like that for sure. But, uh, I think it's a powerful truth that, uh, we come into prayer with one mindset and one idea, and we actually gain the heart of God when we're praying and we gain the perspective of God. And, you know, there's many times where I'll come in, I, you know, God, please do this. And I spend that time in prayer and I'm actually not asking for that anymore. Mm -hmm. At the end of it, I'm asking for this because I feel like God has revealed his will to me. And, and I love that word that you said of partnership. Uh, so much of, uh, you know, a lot of people in their faith walk, they, they've just missed it. It's like, they kind of see it as like, well, God tells me what to do and I do it. And it's true. We obey. And, but he's not like a general, he, he's a, a father and he's a friend. And uh, yes, we obey him because he is Lord, but uh, he wants to work with us and connect with us. And he invites us into his work. I mean, just how he shared the work with the disciples, the apostles, you know, you get to be a part of this. You get to be a part of the solution and prayer is the tool that he put in our hands. But another thing, um, don't miss what Gina said there of, um, if I, if I leave my prayer time without peace, I haven't really prayed. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so good. I mean, that shows that like I've entered into God's heart because God is always peace right. uh, you know, he's always got it under control. So if right. you come out like all freaked out, um, then you haven't made that connection that you're right. talking about with God. That's great. Good. So yeah, you know, and we pray for a relationship. We pray that we're changed. Um, and also prayer is a weapon that, uh, that's the weapon that he has given us for a spiritual battle. And we are in a spiritual battle. Uh, we're fighting for the hearts of our children and fighting for the hearts of this world and fighting for our own hearts and, uh, the lies and the truths, uh, that are coming our way. And, uh, we need to engage this battle and prayers, how, how we win it. So tell us a little bit about, um, how do we pray? You know, Jesus gives us the Lord's prayer. Uh, what, what do you do if you're going to teach our daughters or a spiritual daughter or someone, you know, this is the way that you have an effective, powerful prayer life, because I know you do. What are your tips? 
Well, first of all, I just wanted to, you know, as the girls were growing up, I really wanted prayer to be our first response, not our last resort. And mm -hmm. so whenever there was any kind of issue, whether, you know, they bonked their head on the, you know, the slide or cut themselves or someone had a headache or just anything, we would pray. I would just stop and say, let's pray. And I taught them that we go to God first before anything else. And hopefully they still remember that. Um, but so yeah, just inviting God into every situation all day throughout the day, the Bible says pray without ceasing. And so I see that as he's there always. And so talk to him always about everything. Um, so I, I just really wanted to teach our daughters to go to God for everything. And so, you know, I, it's not complicated. I don't have any kind of formula or anything. I don't think God needs formulas to answer our prayers. Um, he again, just wants to partner with us and be in relationship with us. So really it's just talking to him about everything all the time. Mm. And so I don't really have a, a formulaic answer for you. Yeah. Um, other than just, you know, keeping him in the forefront of my mind all day and knowing that I can talk to him about everything and yeah, kind of just a continual conversation. It's good. Do you remember, uh, which wasn't it one of our girls who said, gave you a little pray mommy thing? Remember that? Could you tell us about that? Yeah. So, um, I think that's happened a few times, mm -hmm. but the one that comes to mind was, um, Joy and I were on our way to somewhere school or something and kind of in a hurry and we got in the car and I hit the garage door button to open to get out and it wouldn't open and I was you know frantic because I knew we were late and so okay what do I do I remember Carl told me something about unlatching it and trying to lift it ourselves and I couldn't reach the latch or something and I was just I could feel the anxiety rising and joy could sense it in me and she's like pray mommy and I was like okay so let's pray for the garage door and so we walked over to it and laid our hands on it and i prayed you know jesus we got to get out of here would you please heal our garage door and i got back in the car pushed the button and it opened <laughs> so yeah yeah just the girls just knew you know when we were in a in a situation where we needed god they knew to just pray yeah. pray mommy remember we got to pray so so I've seen your prayer life <clears throat> transform over the years. I've seen you become a, a more powerful, effective, focused prayer warrior, praying about everything. Can you share a little bit about your journey and how you've changed and what um, what brought you to uh, this place in your prayer life? Um, I think probably the biggest thing is just seeing answered prayer mm -hmm. um, has increased my faith in praying and knowing God answers my prayers and even like super specific prayers, which I think I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but knowing that I can ask God about anything um, and ask specifically, um, lining up with his heart first and taking time, you know, in worship and Thanksgiving first, I think are, are a big part of coming to him with prayers and requests. But, um, I think to set aside time every day to pray and start out with thanksgiving and worship and just reminding myself of all he's already done and reminding myself through worship of who he is mm -hmm. then then pray and talk to him and have that conversation um 
those are big things that have helped. Also, praying through scripture has helped, mm-hmm. like getting scripture out and inserting names with actual, you know, words in the Bible is a really powerful tool. Praying out loud. I I often pray out loud. Praying right then, I don't like and if I do this, catch me on it, but I don't like saying, "Okay, I'll pray for you" and then walk away. Yeah. I want to be obedient and pray right then and there um, cuz those people need God right then. Yep. When they re- have a request or a need, why not bring God right into it? And so I just want to be quick to pray and, um, yeah, just trust that God is always working. Yeah, that's good. You know, one of the big changes that took place in my prayer life was actually in the mission trip on at Haiti. And, and I've always valued prayer, but, um, you know, before, like if I prayed for 20 minutes by the end, I'm like, Oh, that was exhausting. And I got nothing else to pray about. And Holy cow, you know, and, um, but there was something about that trip where, Part of it was necessity. I mean, our leader was going under uh, intense spiritual warfare. You know, people with like we have armed guards around us and these barbed wire compounds, and people are getting unruly as we were doing this medical clinic. I mean, I was af- I was afraid for our team, and just uh, like just all the things that were going around. Not to mention the voodoo and strange spiritual atmosphere we were in there, and. Um, I just felt like God called me to like kind of set me aside here from the whole mission trip. It's like, uh, I've got something different for you to do. And I went over to this wall and I prayed and I prayed for six hours straight. And I mean, I couldn't even believe it. Uh, first that I would ever do that. And I know to some, you're, they're like, well, we do that all the time. But to me, that was a big deal. And, um, and, and it went so fast and I, I couldn't even believe it. It was like the day just went like that. The whole day was in prayer, but um, the whole time was seeking God's heart. And, you know, I was asking God to give me like his heart for different people and for our leaders. And, and it was just like, I never ran out of topics and I never ran out of passion uh, for that prayer. And I think that that's really what prayer is supposed to be about is to connect with the heart of God and the will of God. Um, I love uh, Benny Johnson. One of the things that she says, or used to say when she'd pray, she's like, okay, well, um, let's see what Jesus is going to do. Isn't that a great way to start? You know? Not like, okay, I'm going to pray and get healing for you. I mean, and I want to pray for healing or I'm going to pray for this or that. But, okay, Jesus, what, what's happening? What are you doing right now? And how can I get in on that? And maybe you're not healing their physical thing. Maybe you're healing their emotional thing or spiritual thing or whatever it is. But let me join in on you. And I also think about just I've really come to learn the power of prayer. I think God is moving in amazing ways that grace community church right now. And I truly believe that it's because that the church has changed and we have become a praying church. And there's a culture of prayer. We're going to have a 24-hour prayer vigil here on the 16th. And the whole church is praying and fasting for 21 days right now. And it's just bringing power. Um, there's a famous story. Many of you have probably heard it before, but Charles Spurgeon um, was giving a, you know, one of the most powerful preachers ever in the 19th century. And uh, so he's giving a tour of his church. And he's got a big church and uh, telling people about what's going on. But he says, I, I want to show you my boiler room. And they're like, oh, we don't want to see your boiler room. You know, they're dirty, they're ugly. And he's like, no, you've got to see the engine. You've got to see the power uh, behind this ministry. And so he took them to the boiler room, which is actually down in the basement. There were 100 people at that moment praying. He says, this is the engine of our church. This is the engine of our ministry is that these people, 100 people right now are praying for me. And every time we do any ministry, there's a slew of people praying behind it. 
And that's, I think, why he was one of the most powerful preachers who ever lived. He understood uh, what it meant. So speaking of this, uh, we're in these 21 days now fasting. So you and I are, we're on day five right now. So good job. I got my carrot juice right here. That's, uh, I just had uh, Haley try some carrot juice. She likes it now. So give it a, it's good stuff. But uh, we're in these 21 days of, of praying and fasting. And so fasting is a little, maybe less common or, you know, a little bit more of a mystery. And um, so I know people want to know, well, what, tell us, teach us, what is fasting all about? And why do we do this? You know, it's like, okay, so we fast, so God will actually start paying attention to us now, or, you know, how does it work? For me, fasting takes the focus off of me and my flesh and my fleshly desires and the things that temporarily satisfy me and it helps me focus on Jesus and what satisfies my soul and so it realigns me it kind of it's kind of like a pause of the daily you know eat work go to bed you know the routine and you know so we don't eat and so what do we do in place of eating we, we pray you know when I'm hungry I pray, it reminds me to pray. When I deprive myself of things, it puts my focus back where it needs to be on Jesus. Yeah, when um, when we were in high school, uh, for football, we had two a days. In college, we had three a days. You'd have three practices in one day before um, the season would start. And it was this time where, I mean, it was hard and it was focused, and it was kind of whipping you back into shape. And um, it was just like this kind of supercharged, super focused time. And I guess that's kind of what I see these 21 days of prayer and fasting and fasting about. It. It's like uh, we just kind of get everything else out of the way, and it's all just we're focusing on prayer. We're focusing on fasting brings us back into that focus. And, and you know, I, I think there's also something beautiful and powerful about self-denial. And it's just, you know, you always see that um, often, not always, but most of the times in scripture where it talks about fasting, it says, humbled myself. And fasting's humbling. Um, we were playing a game just the other night, day three of the fast, and um, I was so grumpy. I'm sorry about that, by the way. Thank you. But um, she, I was just hungry, and I was like, and we're playing this new game that we bought for Christmas and Gina wasn't understanding the rules. And I'm just like, it's not that hard. And I'm like, Rrr. and like every time she would ask me a question, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say, well, here, honey, I'd be like, so what you do dear? And I was just like, and I'm, I'm a little humiliated <laughs> that uh, a lack of food caused me to be so mean to you. So again, thanks for, we've already worked it out, but um, it, it's just amazing how it, that kind of shows me my weakness. And there's actually something good about that to like, be like, wow, I am so dependent on food, comfort, my happiness. And you remove that, you find out what's really inside of you. That's another thing that kind of comes in the midst of it. I've it's talking to another friend about her fast. She said, it was horrible. You know, I never felt so close, far away from God in my life. And, and I was like, well, I think that maybe that's one of the things God may have wanted to bring to your attention is like, well, what makes you close to God and how do you get close to him? But I, I have to say, despite my uh, bad third day, you know, in the fifth day now, this fast for me has been really, really good. I, um, I talked to a woman on uh, Sunday at our church 
And uh, she was talking about how fasting for her usually is this process of like, oh, I just feel so uh, deprived. And she said, but this, this year I decided uh, instead of thinking about the food that I don't have, I'm going to think about feasting on God's word. And I got to tell you, that ministered to me. And that's our, actually been kind of my sustaining idea uh, through these uh, five days so far is that I'm not God's word as much as prayer, actually. I, I mean, of course, God's word, but I'm feasting on prayer. And I have been. Every prayer time has been powerful, and it's been supercharged, and I've loved it. So if you look in the Bible, you see that fasting is called for all sorts of special moments, like when it's time to launch something or to begin something. Uh, like Jesus, he began his ministry with fasting. And Saul and Barnabas, before they were selected and sent out, they begin with fasting. And so like, if you're about to start something big or if you're being called into something, or you're trying to decide, fasting is a great way to begin where we humble ourselves and focus. Um, we also see fasting happen at critical moments. Uh, Esther is probably the best example. Like she's gonna go before the king and this is literally a life and death situation. So she asks Mordecai and everyone else, fast for me. And so it's a time to just be focused in prayer, like, Lord, this matters. This is a big deal. I'm going to do everything I can as I seek you uh, to make these decisions. Um, and if we're looking for revelation, that's another thing. And oftentimes I find that it comes at the end of the fast or, or even after the fast. But God, I, I need new revelation. I need a new understanding of you. Um, the best example I can think of is Moses. Um, but right before he goes up into Sinai and uh, uh, the mountain and, and gets the Ten Commandments, he begins with fasting another 40-day fast, actually, and uh, prepares his heart for this amazing new revelation that God wants to bring. Um, times of mourning is another time that we fast. Uh, Saul and Jonathan, when they uh, die in battle, David fasts for them um, to remember what has happened, to humble himself. And then, of course, repentance. Uh, in Nineveh, in the book of Daniel, where uh, you know it's we got to turn, and they would tear their clothes, and they would fast and pray and humble themselves before God. So, you know, uh, and it's not any big secret, I am not a really good faster. Um, I, you, you know, scripture here, in fact, let me read this. It says, uh, when you fast, it's Matthew 6, 16. When you fast, do not look som somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And I, I'm not real good at that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm so miserable. I'm fasting. And, and I love to like uh, kind of sneak it into conversations like, uh, how's your fast going? My fast is going horrible. And so um, I'm I'm working. I'm trying to get better on it, but I'm not real strong at that thing. Uh, but you're you're an example to me. Uh, you don't ever bellyache. You don't ever complain, and you just go. And so, teach us. Teach me a little bit. Like, how do we have effective fasting? What would you say we do? Tell us a little bit about your experience. How long? How often? Give us your tips. Well, I think the Bible is clear to not complain. <laughs> So it doesn't do me any good to complain. Right. It just keeps my mind in the negative. So um, when I feel hungry, I pray. Mm. Um, I try to not focus on what I'm lacking, but what I'm gaining from yeah. this time. I'm trying to focus not on the suffering, but the blessing and the connection with God. Um, so yeah, I yeah focusing on the you know how I'm like starving or feeling the negative stuff doesn't help. So 
don't do that. And don't make your wife play games of, let's pretend we're eating hamburgers right now. <laughs> I tried to get her to do that last night. She wouldn't play. I was like, let's pretend we're eating really good food. And then what do you want to feed? She's like, no, I'm not playing. I thought it was a good game, but she didn't. She was right. I was wrong. There you go again. <laughs> but this fast, um, I'm doing something different. I usually do something for the whole 21 days, but... I learned from Carl to try something every week. And so um, this week I'm doing just liquids. Next week I'm going to do no media, so no phones, no screens, no TV. Um, and then the final week I'm going to do fasting, everything that I find like comforting or mm. something that I just love and don't want to give up. And so those are silly things like gum. I love to chew gum. And coffee in the morning. I look forward to smelling the coffee from bed and knowing it's there for me. Mm. Um, and then I read before I go to bed. I love to read novels and fall asleep to a, you know, love story or something. I'm gonna just read my Bible before I go to bed and not read fiction. So those are just some comforts that I'm gonna give up for that final week. And then our family. Um, there's a, another way to. Um, during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, not necessarily depriving yourselves of things, but as a family, we're adding some things. And so Naya and I, every morning, are reading a devotional together. Um, and then as a family, twice a week, we're doing what we call Jesus time, where we um, spend, I don't know, hour, half an hour, hour in worship. And then we have a question that we ask. So last night we asked, um, God, what is what do you have in store for me? And so we just kind of sit on that question before God through worship and prayer and just wait until we hear what he wants to say to us. Yeah. So it's just kind of a, a more focused time as a family um, spending with God. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I think why people fast and why people pray is because we're trying to get God to do something, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, if I fast, though, then maybe he'll come through. Maybe this will happen. And, and I don't want to confuse that with breakthrough. I mean, it is okay to pray for breakthrough. And it's okay to, you know, I'm going to fast and pray for this thing to change. But um, sometimes God says no. And, uh, you know, sometimes God's doing something else in our praying and fasting than the breakthrough that we want or exactly how it's going to look. And so, um, you know, Garth Brooks had that, uh, that song, you know, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And so I wanted to talk a little, and I know I don't have a Garth Brooks voice, but um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that uh, unanswered prayers there. And so um, tell us a little bit about a time that God didn't answer a prayer, at least like you wanted him to. I mean, he always answers, but sometimes he says no. And what do you learn and, and why? So when my mom was... 59 she was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease which was a horrible disease um, and dementia and she suffered for about five years and towards the end of her life I was determined that God could heal her and would heal her and so I called a 24-hour prayer vigil with my family and made sure every time slot was filled I think every hour for 24 hours and I was determined that God would heal her and that if we prayed long enough and hard enough yeah. that she would be better and she wasn't. She died at 64 and that was heartbreaking for me and hard to understand and made me question my faith a little bit and question God. Um, but looking back, that was 
I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, um, I, I can find peace in knowing she's with Jesus in a much better place. She was suffering, and so maybe God was sparing her that suffering. Her body was failing her, and she couldn't take care of herself, and my dad couldn't really take care of her anymore. It was hard for us to help. Um, so I think maybe that could be part of it. God was ready to have her with him. Mm. Um, and then the other thing, the good that came out of it was my dad was eventually saved. Um, I was hoping that in her healing, my dad would get saved right then, but that wasn't, that was my plan, not God's plan. Um, but later down the road, my dad really wanted to know that he was going to be in heaven with my mom. And so he ended up giving his life to Jesus because of that. And so I saw later how God did use her death for my dad's good. Um, but just knowing that God is always answering our prayers, it may be yes, it may be no, and it may be wait. Mm. Um, he's always working. He's always good. And he's always trustworthy. That's kind of what I've learned through that unanswered prayer. You know, um, to kind of build on that story uh, with your dad, if I can, um, uh, you know, we, we, he wasn't following Jesus. And uh, we, we so desperately wanted him to come to know you. And this was before your mom even got sick. But I, uh, you may remember uh, he had a back problem. And uh, all the kids were uh, there in, uh, Gina has five uh, in her family, five brothers and sisters. And so they were there and I was like, okay, well, let's pray for his healing. And I thought, this is the chance, okay? Like God, heal this man. I mean, is there a better time for you to, to heal and to answer a prayer? We're gonna lay hands on him and you're gonna heal him and he's gonna give his life to you. That I mean, that was my plan. And I, w I was fasting for it and praying for it. And I'll tell you what, I had the faith of Elijah. I mean, I could have called down fire from heaven and believed it was happening. I was just so certain. Now, God, here it is. And I know this is arrogant and foolishness, but I felt like, okay, God, here's a soft pitch right up the middle. You just got to hit this one. And I know he's going to be saved. And um, we prayed and earnestly, and, and your dad was gracious to, to let us do that, but nothing. And um, I was just like, oh, and so frustrated with God that he didn't answer that prayer because it wasn't for me. I, I just wanted your dad to get saved. Um, but that's not the work that God needed to do in your dad. Um, and I believe, I agree with you that your, the loss of your mom was actually part of the work that had to be done, as horrible and difficult as that was, um, that that was the thing that opened the door to him to be thinking about. He, he healed, maybe he would have, if he got healed, maybe he would have given God some glory, looked to him for a little while, but I don't think it would have lasted. I think that losing your mom and the things that he went through touched the real issues in his heart and brought him to a place where uh, you know your sister and I both were able to pray with him to receive Jesus fully. you know. And I know he's in heaven and I can't wait to see him when we get up there uh, when he does it. So yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome story there. All right, uh, I think we need to wrap up here, but just one last question. So I want a better prayer life, Gina. So um, tell, tell them they want a better prayer life too. Tell our friends there, wh what, how do they get there? Um, I think if you are struggling with having a prayer life at all, it's okay to be honest with God and just say, help me to pray. Give me a heart to pray. Give me a desire to pray. I remember as a young mom, I could not find time to have quiet times and I, it was such a struggle. And so I just started praying, God, make me a morning person so I can have time with you. 
make me have a desire to have time with you. Mm -hmm. And he did that in me. And I think he can do that for people that don't really have a prayer life. Just be honest with him and say, God, give me a desire to pray and increase my faith that when I do pray, you're going to hear me and you're going to answer and know that he's going to answer those things. Um, for me, I, I like to have a journal. And so I like to write down what I hear when I feel like he's talking to me and then read back on those things that really increases my faith and my prayer life. Um, and keeping it a two way conversation, you know, knowing that prayer isn't just me with all my requests, it's taking time to hear him. And that makes it really come alive and make it more special. Just knowing that he wants to talk too, Mm -hmm. And so taking time to hear him. So good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, the one thing I would say for me that's transformed our prayer life is it's about seeking him seeking his heart, seeking connection with him, seeking what he wants to pray about and what he wants to do. And w- once I kind of make that shift of like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm looking for you in this instead of I'm wanting you to do stuff for me, it's really transformed the way that I pray. So now uh, I'm sitting and I want to thank not only my favorite staff member um, and uh, my uh, favorite prayer warrior, but also now my favorite podcast guest, and that's uh, my wife, Gina. So thank you for being here with us. Thank you for joining us on What Does God Say About? And uh, we'll see you next month. Uh, Get praying and uh, don't be afraid to fast. God's going to meet you. Love you guys. Thanks, honey.